Hello, hello, and welcome to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm Andrew Sweatman, and today filmmaker Johnny Brandon is joining the podcast to discuss the Best Picture-nominated film, Sound of Metal. Plus, we've got a review of Best Picture nominee, The Father. Stick around. Date of birth? Friday, 31st of December, 1937. You're living with your daughter at the moment? Yes, until she goes to live in Paris. No, Dad, why do you keep going on about Paris? You told me. No, I didn't. I'm sorry, Anne, you told me the other day. Have you forgotten? She's forgotten. (laughs) Paris, they don't even speak English there. Dad, I'd like you to meet Laura. How do you do, sir? I say, you're gorgeous. Thank you. (laughs) I must say, he's charming. Yeah, not always. Laura has come round to help you. I don't need her or anyone else. I can manage very well on my own. Everything all right? Who are you? Actually, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? Anne? It's me. Ah, there she is. Your father seemed a bit confused. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Ma'am, where is he? I'm here. What's the matter, Dad? Strange things going on around us. Don't worry. Everything will sort itself out. Saw it in his eyes, didn't know who I was. It was like I was a stranger to him. Just did something to me. I don't know what she's cooking up against me, but she's cooking something up. What are you talking about, Dad? I'm not leaving my flat! I am not leaving my flat! This really is my flat, isn't it? That was a bit of the trailer for the film The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman. The film has been nominated for Best Picture, as well as Best Actor in a Leading Role for Anthony Hopkins, Best Actress in a Supporting Role for Olivia Colman, uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Production Design. The film tells the story of Anthony that's Anthony Hopkins, who is aging and starting to experience the effects of dementia. This leads him to feel very confused and fearful and paranoid, and he acts out in a number of ways, making life harder for his daughter Anne, that's Olivia Coleman, as she tries to care for him and make arrangements including at-home care. A few months ago on this podcast, we discussed another 2020 film that tackled the subject of dementia and Alzheimer's and explored the topic by looking at a father-daughter relationship affected by the disease. That film is the documentary Dick Johnson is Dead, though the two films couldn't be more different in terms of tone. One is a true story, and a tribute in many ways to a real man, Dick Johnson, as his daughter Kirsten Johnson, also the film's director, tries to come to terms with the reality that her beloved father won't live forever. So the father clearly shares some common DNA, looking at family dynamics in similar situations, but the father is different in some key ways. Aside from the fact that it's a narrative film, it also shifts the perspective. Dick Johnson is Dead is mostly from the daughter's point of view, while in The Father, we as the audience are in the head of the aging parent. Director Florian Zeller puts the viewer directly into Antony's headspace, and we understand the world just as he does. So when Antony feels scared or confused, we've just seen the same things he has, and we feel scared or confused right along with him. In that way, the film plays out almost like a psychological thriller, but one filled with emotion and empathy. We at once completely understand Anne's frustration that her father is lashing out at family members and can't seem to keep a caretaker because of his erratic behavior, 
while at the same time we empathize with Antony because the world he's experiencing is incredibly confusing. We begin to understand how devastating it is when you can't trust your own mental faculties. This affects Antony's sense of self over time, and it wears on Anne as things seem to only be getting worse, despite all the effort she puts in. Ultimately, it's a very strong film that is certainly deserving of the praise it's getting. The psychological thriller elements serve to set it apart from similar films, but it's also unlike any psychological thriller I've seen because of the deep empathy created by the film's unique vantage point. The whole time, we as the audience are trying, just like Antony, to put the puzzle pieces together. But ultimately, the puzzle is not the point. The film works on that level of trying to solve the mystery of what's going on, but it also transcends that with the emotional experience of deeply empathizing with the lead character and the particular suffering caused by dementia. Writer-director Florian Zeller wrote the screenplay, adapted from a play he also wrote, and it's phenomenal. The direction and the production of the film are also among the strongest of the year, and you couldn't hope for better performances than those given by Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Colman. This film is absolutely worth your time, and you may just come away with a new appreciation for the aging people in your life. The Father is now playing in theaters and available on demand to watch at home. You see, the situation is very simple. My daughter is of the opinion that I cannot manage on my own. I'm so sorry about this. Why? She understands perfectly. It's important. I explained it all to you. Why do you keep looking as if there's something wrong? Everything is fine. I think she tries to do the best she can for you, Anthony. Everything will be all right. I promise you. There's something funny going on. It's time for today's discussion. We're looking at Best Picture nominee, Sound of Metal. This film focuses on Ruben, a metal drummer who has a happy life with his girlfriend and bandmate Lou. They live in an RV and travel around the country performing. Their lifestyle is thrown into jeopardy when Ruben starts to lose his hearing. Ruben suddenly finds himself with almost no hearing and unable to perform musically. Lou takes him to a deaf community where he begins to learn to live with his hearing loss. This is my absolute favorite film of 2020, and it's very deserving of the awards it's nominated for. I'm very excited to see how well it performs at the Oscars in a few weeks' time. Today's guest is filmmaker Johnny Brannon. You may remember him from the Dr. Sleep episode a couple years back. Johnny has been making films in central Arkansas for many years, and he also runs Made in Arkansas, a film organization that encourages local filmmaking. The Made in Arkansas Film Festival is coming up in May, and Johnny tells us all about it in this conversation. Uh, notably, Johnny is also a musician, which is part of why he's the perfect guest to discuss Sound of Metal. Johnny Brandon, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Doing great. How you doing? I'm doing really well. You know, it's, I guess we're kind of nearing, hopefully, the end of uh, some quarantine stuff. Maybe somewhat seeing the light in the <laughs> in the tunnel, but uh, it's it's been an interesting, you know, year and a half. Has, has quarantine been terrible for you you've been able to work on some things i've been seeing online yeah yeah I've, uh yeah yeah i've been you know i guess a year ago at this time instead of you know working on film stuff i started working on music mm -hmm. and um, i had had putting that off for a couple of years um you know i did uh I launched a solo project many moons ago and then uh a few years later i started whenever i you know started getting into the filmmaking uh, side of things, I started scoring, you know, uh, going down that route. And then, um, I took a break and then 
last year, once everything kind of got shut down, I started back on my my music project and actually started writing music again. And it just felt pretty nice to be able to, you know, just focus on that and not worry about anything else. Um, yeah, I that's another it, theory, right? Is that the yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, What's some of that? Yeah, thank you. It's uh, I started back in the early two thousands, and um, when I first moved to Little Rock, I, I, you know, music was my thing, and I was, um, you know, I was kind of getting my name, you know, trying to get my name out there and everything. And I actually played several shows locally really? wow. uh, between two thousand, you know, four and two thousand six, and then took a break, and then uh, started working on movies, and then eventually picked up another, you know, keyboard again, and I, thought, ah, I gotta get back to this and. <laughs> And it's, it's pretty amazing. I missed it. I missed it terribly, actually. Well, it's, it's interesting. When I wanted to talk about Sound of Metal, I thought, who do I know that's a filmmaker and does music stuff as a musician? Uh, and then you came to mind. I was like, well, that would be perfect. Let's, let's get Johnny to talk about this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of filmmaking stuff, I, I've been seeing some of the stuff you've been doing online. Uh, tell us what your latest projects are. Well, lately, um, right now, I'm, I'm, I got my uh, focus on the Made in Arkansas Film Festival, and that's going to yes. be... May 13th uh, through the 15th. Um, we're not sure. I mean, we will probably end up going virtual again, but mm-hmm. um, I'm waiting to, to get back with uh, the guys at the Ron Robinson Theater to see what's, you know, what, what we can do. And, but um, most likely we'll probably go virtual. If we do go virtual, there's a possibility that we can extend, you know, the dates. Day and, two, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. Last year it, it worked out great. We were able to take more films that way. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but this year, um, I don't know, I think maybe last year, a lot of filmmakers, you know, kind of got, um, you know, held down because of COVID. So they weren't mm-hmm. able to make a lot of films. And I, I suspected that, you know, that could be a possibility that could actually hurt us this year. And we got some really good films in right now. But, um, you know, we still got three more days left. And I'm, I'm kind of hoping that we'll get a, uh, an outpouring <laughs> of films. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I... I told them, you know, I get it that a lot of filmmakers right now are, are you know, are in post production. Mm. So I'm like, if you guys want to submit your films as a work in progress, that mm, is totally cool. And so, um, so that way they, they still get their shot of, you know, of possibly, you know, getting screened this year, but yeah. So that, well, that's actually a, kind of a big thing. And then I just, you know, you know, finished working on a chariot and yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about the chariot. Chariot, uh, it's a feature film that they shot here in Little Rock. Um, it was um, it was brought here out actually from from uh, I think well, the producer. The producer's from Northwest Arkansas. He's one of the producers, mm-hmm. um, and he uh, got with another producer who was trying to bring a film into Oklahoma. And I, and this is just what I've been told, you know, from sure. you know behind the scenes, and that you know some things didn't really work out. So they wanted to bring a movie to Arkansas. And uh, they, you know, met with this filmmaker, um, Adam Sigel, and, and uh, yeah, they kind of got it all worked out. And they ended up coming here to, to Little Rock and shooting for 20 days. And uh, it has uh, John Malkovich in it. Yeah. John Malkovich, um, Thomas Mann, who was in uh, Me, uh, which one was it? Me, Earl and the Dying Girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting enough, I think Olivia Cook, that's in Sound of Metal you know, was in me or old in the dining. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so, um, uh, and then it's also got Rosa Salazar who played the battle angel. And, oh yes. Yeah. 
it was it was it was wild cool. yeah that's, that's an impressive cast here in arkansas i'm really excited about that that's funny i so i was following some of the news around that and not long after that uh my wife and i we were at a restaurant like on a, a patio sitting outdoors at this restaurant and i looked across the way and i was like is that john malkovich and i was like i knew he's been in town but like I don't know if that's him. And like the whole dinner, I kept looking over like, maybe that is him. And my wife was like, I don't think it's him. And finally I got close enough to hear. And I, you know, John Malkovich has such a distinive voice. It's like, it's definitely not John Yeah. <laughs> like it was a week after y'all would rap. So I'm sure it was definitely not him, but that's my funny John Malkovich story. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. He was here only for five days. I think mm-hmm. it was like the first week of shooting. And um, I tell you, he, he was such a nice, I mean, he's, you know, such a gentleman, such a nice guy, mm. and everybody on set just, you know, had nothing but, you know, great things to say about him because he was such a kind human being, and and he wanted to come to Arkansas, and that's that's why he uh, accepted the role of of, the, of this film. And mm. it's, it's it's a small supporting role, but it's very eccentric, and it it's definitely going to stand out for sure. Well, that's great. I can't wait to see that one. I'm sure that'll be some months before that's out and about but uh that that'll be a fun one to follow well cool any other uh big film stuff going on right now that you want to talk about oh you tell us about your youtube channel oh yeah uh well i started a youtube channel back in january and um basically what i'm doing is just you know introducing uh tips and and uh tutorials to new filmmakers people who aren't network people aren't who aren't you know who are you know thinking about doing it and they're not sure how to do it you know from both the acting side and the filmmaking side. Mm-hmm. So right now, um, you know, you know, the schedule has been kind of crazy, so I haven't been able to really put as much content out, you know, as of late, but, uh, I do have some acting tips up there, um, how to get networked in your film community, whether it doesn't matter where you're at, you know, I've just kind of laid out the groundwork of what you can do to, um, just kind of look in your own, you know, in your own neighborhood to find people yeah. who will you know, shoot with you and people who will, uh, work with you and how you can get cast in your in your local film scene and then um, I'm also sharing uh, older films that I've, I've worked on and mm-hmm. kind of doing like a little kind of doing a little thing called short film theater and oh, cool. basically I just kind of talk about the background of, of how we made the film and mm-hmm. people who are part of the project and then I showed a film and it's like you know maybe two minutes of an introduction and you know just kind of laying that out there and so that's part of it and that's great um, yeah yeah. <laughs> that's really cool. You, you know, where else I've been seeing you is on TikTok, actually. <laughs> You've been posting little <laughs> things about, um, you know, this film breaks this rule of editing and like just funny little things like that. But it's it's all like film related stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. seen you there too. Yeah, well, that's yeah, cool. I'll link to all of that stuff. If anyone's curious to follow any of that, especially the that YouTube channel sounds like a great resource for, especially for like young filmmakers. So yeah, that's really great. <laughs> Well, all right. I guess if um, if there's nothing else, let's let's talk about Sound of Metal. You sound great. Yeah, right. What? You tell me you were feeling it. You were in it. We don't need to, we don't need to put them all out. I know, but we just need to film. hearing is deteriorating rapidly. We'll come back. Till then, Lou, we just keep going, okay? No. Lou, no. let's play them all and see what it's like, okay? I'm gonna be like a click track. You can play to me. You have to understand 
You understand me? I can't. I'm deaf. I'm deaf. I found a place. I think it's important that you stay here with us right now, Ruben. We're looking for a solution to to this. Not this. I need you to wait for me, okay? You're in for me. You're my heart. You're in for me, okay? You gotta wait for me. does keep moving it can be a damn cruel place but those moments of stillness All right, let's talk about Sound of Metal. So this is an Amazon original, uh, Best Picture nominee, uh, nominated for, I think, six Oscars, actually. So it's, it's been winning lots of things. Um, and it's it's really quite a quite a film. <laughs> I really, really like it. Um, it's directed by Darius Martyr and stars uh, Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook. And tells the story of uh, Ruben, that's Riz Ahmed's character. Uh, he's a metal drummer and he and his girlfriend, Lou, that's Olivia Cook, are uh, in this kind of metal duo. Um, and he he's the drummer. And one night, the, the very beginning of the film, he starts to lose his hearing very suddenly. And he, you know, obviously relies on that for his, his career. They're touring around just the two of them in their RV. Um, they have this, this little life together that they really love. Um, and so this comes out of nowhere and, and kind of threatens all of that. And basically the film follows him through what, what does he do when he, he learns that this hearing is, uh, it has suddenly become greatly impaired and there's not much chance of it coming back. What do you do? What's his, what's his life going to be now? And it goes in really interesting directions with that. Um, but, uh, and we're, we all, we will talk spoilers at the end. I'll give a spoiler warning before we get into spoilers. Um, but I came away from this film thinking, you know, this is one of my, my favorite things of the year. Um, really, really found it moving. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you about it, Johnny. So Sound of Metal is, among other things, it's a story about a musician and kind of the drive to create. Uh, Ruben in the film, he feels kind of desperate to try and get back to his life as a musician. So Johnny, as a creator yourself, as a filmmaker and a musician, I'm wondering um, if you felt that you could identify with him at all, uh, or if there's ever been something that's kind of come between you and, and your ability to be creative, like, like what he experiences in the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. And him being a musician and, and, you know, mm-hmm. having this love of music. I, before I started doing film, you know, any type of filmmaking, that's what I, I just engulfed myself in was music and there wasn't a moment during the day where if I wasn't working that I'd just go home and just start, you know, playing. And I'm, I'm a self-taught musician, so I don't know how to read music and I can't, um, you know, read, you know, any of that, any of that stuff. So I'd go home and just kind of, you know, 
listen to you know other 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 bands and whatnot that I listened to that kind of inspired me. That's just kind of the direction I went. But I totally understood and and related with you know like music at, at one time was just my life. And of course, I was in a band before I went solo. And you know we'd always talk about yeah you know when we make it you know like any any indie you know band or whatever you know like one of these days we're going to go out and get us a record deal and yada yada yada. And now the days, you know, there's so many indie bands, so many indie bands like what, you know, this band in this film was um, that are doing that. And, you know, going to some, you know, indie shows, you know, you'll see where they got the little merch table up and all that stuff. And, and I can totally, I totally get that, you know, I totally understand like the, the struggle that the only way they're going to make money is to play, you know, they can't, you know, they can't stop what they're doing. And, you know, the, you know, I, I felt his desperation at the towards the beginning of the film of whenever he, you know, when his hearing started, um, whenever he started losing his hearing, um, you know, the, the not sure, like, is this really happening to me? You know what I mean? Like that for yeah. a moment when you're watching that and, you know, and I, it's just like, wait a minute here, maybe this isn't really happening. Maybe mm. it's like, you know, but um, that sense of desperate, you know, I, I kind of start, at least for me, for as a, as a, as a person who's watching this film, I, I started kind of feeling a little bit <laughs> desperate that yeah, yeah. Maybe this is just going to pass, you know, for him, you know, maybe right. he'll, mm-hmm. but, you know, as, you know, being a musician and stuff like that, you know, my, my obstacles were, you know, like paying bills and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. there's times sure. where like, oh, I got to sell equipment in order to make it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, back when I first started playing on Little Rock, um, I had a, a complete PA system. I had keyboards. I had a computer. I ran all my stuff through. I played shows here at various clubs. And then, you know, I, I went through a period where I actually had to get rid of it. And I had none of that equipment from my, you know, from that time. As you a mean like financially you had to get rid of it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I knew the sacrifices I was making and, mm. you know, it was, it sucked. But um, yeah. but I, I I totally understand like you know once if if you lose that you know what mm-hmm. really what do you have except for listening to, to listening to music you know yeah mm-hmm. so it's yeah I I, I I I get it I mean I totally you know totally understood that yeah yeah and this is not depicted in the film but you can imagine like how he got that that life set up with he and his girlfriend you know and and how much struggle that must have been to to like make that all work and then this thing comes in and is threatening all of that that you worked so hard for uh and yet and like i didn't even think about the fact that like yeah they probably barely are scraping by you know selling their t-shirts you know it shows the merch table that's like such a familiar feeling if you've ever been to a concert is um kind of kind of what they're doing there but but yeah, it's, it, it, he seems like he's, they've been doing this, I think for four years or something. He mentions that that's kind of the life they've been living, yeah. uh, or at least that's how long they've been together. Maybe that's what it is, but, but it's been going on for a while, it, it seems, but um, it, it also kind of makes you think like, who knows, who knows how, you know, fragile our lives really are and kind of the things we have set up and um, he's kind of living his dream in a way it seems like, but um, it, it turns out to be more fragile than, than he thought. Yeah. Well. Absolutely. And you just nail it there. I mean, like this, the things that he's sacrificing to, you know, do what he loves, you know, it's like with anybody, you know, whenever, you know, you're making an independent film and, you know, you're not, you know, there's so many filmmakers out there that you aren't really, you know, as that, you know, successful, you know, and I say successful, that means, you know, like, 
I got a bunch of money here that now I don't have to worry about anything, you know, because you got to keep making your art to, to pay the bills. But, you know, like from where he's at, you know, you know, just being, you know, putting everything into it. And, uh, and that's the only way he's going to be able to make a living for himself and support, you know, he and, and his band, you know, which is, you know, his girlfriend. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, you know, a lot of artists out there just kind of depend on that. Like if, you know, I think I was reading an article about Patti Smith the other day and Patti mm-hmm. Smith, you know, she's famous for all the music she's done back in the you know, 70s and the 80s. And she's, you know, kind of inspired a generation of musicians. And and there was a time, you know, that she, you know, only had like $30,000. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, I didn't, I didn't you know, I, I do this for the love of the art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got things like that I do that kind of helps me pay the bills, but I'm, by far, this is not like, I'm not making a, <laughs> no. I'm not going to be a millionaire off of this. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's super interesting. Thanks for sharing all that. Uh, what did you think about the movie in general? Are, are you a fan of this movie? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, this is, it's just crazy, but as a you know filmmaker and an, an artist, it's really because I'm working on making my own art, it's kind of hard to sit down and, and, mm. you know, take in films and I, I've been doing a better job lately, but with COVID and stuff, um, mm-hmm. it, it just made things going to the, you know, made going to the theater much so much harder. Yeah. And I lost track on what was coming out. And so, um, but whenever I heard about this film and all the, the praise it was getting and finding out it was on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, I took some time out to watch it and it just, it blew me away. It totally, totally blew me away because it's such a simple film as far as like mm-hmm. it's an indie film. It looks like it's on a, a very, very low budget. Um, they, you know, probably didn't have to you know pay that much as far as like, you know, you only got a couple of actors and a lot, I think, I think several of the actors were almost, I think they were like real people, you know, they actually had real people. In yeah. A lot of the deaf actors. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, but, but, you know, it, it just goes to show that, a film like this that's made on such a small budget. Um, yeah. I mean, it, you could tell a story, you know, an incredible story on top mm-hmm. of that with, you know, it's all, all you need is a good script. And this script was, was right on, you know, it's pretty, okay. pretty spot on. I completely agree with all that. Um, yeah. It's interesting with, with like award season this year, so many things are streaming because of COVID that theaters have been closed and everything. There's, it's kind of a silver lining that, you know, I can watch all these things at home without too much trouble, but, but yeah, I really love this movie. Um, when I first heard about it, I, I thought that sounds like something I'll enjoy. And then I really, really did. Uh, actually I, I've been calling this my favorite movie of 2020. I've, since I watched it, I've seen some other really good things. So it's, uh, it's hard to say, but it's, it's way, way up there for me. Uh, I found it so moving. You're right that it, it's so simple in the way that it's, it's um, it, yeah, it's a really straightforward story, but it's so creatively put together. The performances are so good. The script is so good and we'll talk about the sound design in a minute but that plays a big part in it too like you can just tell like they put a lot of care into the the craft of of making this um, yeah. and so something so simple became so um kind of transcendent for me i really really liked it um a, f- a few things i really like about it one i like how it um it highlights deaf culture Mm-hmm. In, in a way that like I did not expect at all you know I thought maybe he'll interact with deaf people since he's you know becoming deaf uh, but I didn't think it was gonna and that's basically 
the rest of the movie. Like there's so much of that. Um, and it, it teaches so much. It's educational ab about that culture without ever feeling like, you know, here's our cause. We're going to like, you know, raise awareness exactly. You know, it's just, it feels really organically part of the story. Uh, and I really like that about it. We'll talk about the ending once we get to the spoiler time, but I really love the ending of this. I thought that was really profound and, and kind of breathtaking. Um, and then I, I like to have this, this movie kind of focuses on personal wellness in a way. Um, so when Ruben, so he starts to lose his hearing and then he goes to, um, it's, it's like a, it's a deaf community for people who are kind of learning how to be deaf. Um, but it's also, I, it's a little bit ambiguous to me, but I think it's also an element of it is for people who have been addicts um, like himself. So that's something we learned about Ruben early on is that he, um, was previously like he's a recovering addict and um and also that his relationship is a big part of him being clean and staying clean and also kind of his lifestyle it seems like he's you know he's he's very regimented and you know he he gets up and makes this particular breakfast every day and they have their time together in the morning and then they play their shows at night and then they drive across the country it's great scene of them driving and just talking about all kinds of things and you get a sense of their kind of their relationship but so when he gets to the staff community and he is kind of learning all these things um his mentor and sort of the leader there is named joe and that's uh he's played by paul racy and he's also oscar nominated for this movie and he um at one point when when ruben's really struggling tells him to basically tells him to journal and meditate and he says i want you to go in this room and just write it doesn't have to be good no one's going to read it um and when you're not writing, just sit there and be still. Um, and, and I think that's, that's essentially like, you know, like telling him you need to go journal and meditate and that's going to help you kind of get through some of this. Um, and I just don't hear that kind of thing in, in movies very often. So I like that it focuses on that and that, that ends up playing into the story some too, uh, which we'll talk about maybe in the spoiler talk as well, but anyway, and, and that's not to mention how great all the performances are. I think they're really good. Um, Riz Ahmed has been nominated for best actor for this and i mentioned paul racy uh, what do you think of, of riz ahmed in this his performance are there any standout moments uh, in it for you well i think i think at the beginning whenever he was you know whenever he was not sure if he was losing his uh mm -hmm. hearing um just kind of getting you know because i think with anything and like like when you're you know heck even if you have a health scare you just kind of like mm -hmm. take a second to like it's just it's just serious or is this, is this really happening? Mm -hmm. or, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought he did a, a tremendous job on, you know, like, you know, wait a minute here, something's not right. Mm -hmm. And then just kind of playing it off before he actually got down to like, wait a minute, something is wrong here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was great. You know, it's something about, you know, about films like this that are, that are smaller budget. You don't get lost in all the big, you know, like the Hollywood, big Hollywood stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's no gimmicks in this movie, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is a, you know, just, I think, you know, like an actor like Riz Ahmed, um, who's a good actor, you know, and, and you know, he can go out and perform in any film and it mm -hmm. would, he would be considered good. You know what I mean? But then yeah. you take, you take, you take him out of that equation. You're like, we're going to give him a shot of leading, mm -hmm. leading a film and just see how, how much depth he's got. And, you know, so many, you know, so many actors out there like that, you know, people, even people who's been doing this forever, um, you know, just kind of forget that, you know, this is one of the professional actors. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
And I thought he was, I thought he was fantastic. Now, Paul Racy, on the other hand, really blew me away. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was such a natural actor in this and very believable. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I think he, he was an alcoholic. I think his character in this film was an alcoholic. So that's kind of, you know, when yeah. you mm-hmm. talk about the addicts, you know, it kind of be an addict that, um, it, I think, yeah, you're right. You know, it just kind of, it wasn't really as, um, uh, I guess explained or, or mm-hmm. not. You just kind of, it. but they did such a good job of like, you just, you're, you didn't have to think too hard about yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it goes to a, what seems like an AA meeting or so like a, a uh, for, for one part of it and everyone there's deaf, but then there's also like a school for deaf kids there. And so it's, it's like a whole community and that's just one piece of it is my understanding of it, I think. Oh yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. So yeah, it, it just, it never just lays out exactly what's going on. You just kind of learn as you go. Yeah. Uh, and, um, but no, I was, I was, I think right after I watched this, I went back to look and see what Paul Racy was in. And, um, he's just, it's just, you know, same thing. You know, he had all these little small roles and he really hasn't done a whole lot. Mm-hmm. you know over the years but i guess I, I think the last movie he made was back well you know looking here it's 2013 so mm-hmm. to have that much time in between and maybe work on some projects here and there um golly yeah he, he came out and pretty much just nailed it you know he yeah. soared mm-hmm. uh, and now he's now this film is probably going to give him a a pretty big career you know i mean much more than what he what, he, what he's had so far you know yeah mm-hmm. um Man, and I think that he, uh, because he was, I read somewhere that, I don't know if his parents were deaf, and that's how he knew sign language already or something. Mm. Um, I think yeah, I'm not, I'm not clear on that, or whether he's actually deaf. Uh, I think he might be. Let me, I'll, I'll kind oh. of look that up as you go here. Because yeah, I, actually, yeah I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He, he was raised by, um, he had deaf parents. Oh, and wow. He fluent in sign language, and he was so good at that, and everything, and you know, just being natural and being very fluid with his performance, it, uh, it really stood out. And I would be, I mean, of course, I'm, I think I'm going to be a little biased here, but I'd be really surprised if he doesn't win. I mean, I, I think he, um, he has a good shot, but who else is uh, nominated this year? Uh, For the, the supporting actor. Let me, let me have a look. But yeah. I didn't realize until uh, just now that he actually is hearing. Yeah. It says in his Wikipedia, he's the hearing son of deaf parents. So that, that definitely adds an interesting layer to that. That's, that's fascinating. Let me pull up the Oscar nominations really quick. And I'll tell you, we've got um, Paul Racy is up against uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in trial of Chicago seven, Daniel Kaluuya in Judas and the black Messiah uh, Leslie Odom Jr. in One Night in Miami, and then Lakeith Stanfield also in Judas and the Black Messiah. This is the the weird category where it feels like Daniel Kaluuya probably should have been in the leading category because um, yeah. <laughs> he, he's kind of the central fe- figure of that film. Um, and honestly, he I think he's so amazing in that movie that I think he might win it. I would be very happy if Paul Racy wins though too because no, uh, they're both yeah, fantastic. I totally forgot about Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah, you're right. He he did such a great job at Judas and the Black Messiah. I totally, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot too because he really doesn't belong in that category. It's so strange. Uh, but just for context too, for Riz Ahmed, so he's up for, for actor in a leading role against Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins in The Father, Gary Oldman in Mank and Stephen Ewan in Minari. Um, and this one, you know, I would be very happy if Riz Ahmed won. I think this one's going to be Chadwick Boseman's just simply because it's posthumous since he passed away. Yeah. And, it, and his performance is very, very good in that film too. So that's not to take away from his performance because I think it would be very, 
deserving, but I, I tend to think that he'll probably win. The voters will probably go that way, but yeah. so thrilled that Riz Ahmed is, is nominated though, too. Yep. Yep. I agree. I totally agree with you. It's uh, it's like, ah, if it was any other year, you know? Uh, yeah. 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 But the cool thing is, is that they, they are nominated with some incredible performances. And, yeah. Um, that right alone, you know, should definitely be uh, noted for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's really not a bad, not a bad performance in that bunch. I guess that makes sense. It's the, it's the awards, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I really, I really love Riz Ahmed in this film. I think his performance, he's very physical. Like he, he starts out on the drum kit in the very opening of the film and, you know, he's obviously getting his whole body into that. Uh, but later when he's signing, you know, that's, I, I listened to um, uh, Riz Ahmed on fresh air on NPR. And he yeah. talked about learning American sign language for this role and realizing how physical it is. Cause you're kind of using your whole body to communicate. And he talked about, I thought this was really interesting. You know, when you learn different languages, sometimes different sides of your personality come out, um, which I don't know. I don't really know more than a handful of words in any language besides English. So no, I thought that was interesting to hear. And then he talked about with sign language, he felt like he was more emotionally expressive in a way. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That kind of comes through in the performance and, you know, because you're using your whole body to, to communicate that way. I thought that was super interesting. I think my favorite um, moment uh, in his performance is probably a couple things, but the one that really stands out is when Lou is leaving. It's towards the, the beginning. It's like he, he, he's, they visited. He's like, I'm not sure about this, but she really believes strongly that it's the best thing for him. So she's going to leave. Yeah. And he's in the parking lot and she gets in this cabin is driving away and you can kind of feel like this is, it feels like a rock bottom moment for him. Like he's, he's, he's really setting in that this is really happening. It's happened so suddenly that like you're saying, like, is this really a serious issue? Is this going to go away? And it's kind of finally setting in like, this is really seriously affecting my life right now. And um, he's, he's very kind of animated, but obviously so upset in that moment. I think that's a really, a really good one. And then um, another one that I like, so this is something I didn't really note the first time watching it, but I was listening to podcasts and things and they noted this on um, a podcast called film spotting that I really like to listen to. Uh, it's a moment where he, it's the first time he goes to this, this room to, to do his journaling and meditating or his, you know, his writing and he has a coffee and a donut. And when he first sits down, he just smashes the hell out of this donut. <laughs> he's so angry. He's got all this pent up rage and then he, he smashes and smashes it. Um, and then what's so interesting is that then the next thing he does is he tries to put it back together. And like he, they, so they, they noted on this other podcast that that's just like pointing to, he's always trying to fix things. Like he, he feels like he has this drive to like get things back to how they're supposed to be. So here's a mess he just made, but he's going to try to piece this donut back together. <laughs> which obviously it's not going to happen. But I thought that was a, a nice touch that they noted on that and thought I'd bring that up here. Do you love art house movies and blockbusters? Do you get excited about the power of cinema and you want more people to watch more movies? Perfect. Tell the world right from your t-shirt with some official Art House Garage merch. We've got shirts declaring movies are for everyone. We've got comfy beanie hats with the Art House Garage logo. And we've even got clothing that encourages people to watch weird movies or watch old movies. Who knows, maybe someone will see your t-shirt that says watch old movies and be inspired to go home and watch Citizen Kane for the first time. Get all your Art House Garage gear today and show your support by going to arthousegarage.com shop.
you see him trying to fix stuff the whole time. And that's when Paul Racy tells him uh, his character's name is Joe tells him to, to do this go writing thing is because he's, he just starts fixing the gutter on the house with, yeah. without him telling him, he's like, you don't have to fix anything. Like stop trying to fix everything. And of course he's, you know, he's wanting to fix his life to get back to where he was as a musician. And that's a, like fixing stuff in big ways, but then also constantly trying to f- just fix things around him. And yeah, maybe that's kind of speaks to the addict uh, side of him. Like he has to be in control and uh, yeah. make sure everything's okay which is, yeah, it's really interesting. Uh, well, this movie's also been nominated for Best Sound. Mm-hmm. The sound design is really interesting and it, it, that plays into the deaf community stuff as well. Uh, so I just to kind of throw it out there. What did you think about the sound design? Uh, anything anything interesting there? If you watch, if you see anything that's you know, nominated for an Academy Award, usually it's like something like, you know, a, a Marvel film or something that's like Star Wars or something that, you know, where you got million, like all these like little sounds, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. stuff up and you're like the lasers are going off and you got like, you know, 20 or 30 of those things just kind of flying past you. And, yeah. but nobody really thinks it's something this subtle, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I can talk about a couple of moments that stick out for me. It, it's really, it's the moments when we, we kind of go in his head and we hear what he's hearing. Yes. Um, especially like as he's starting to lose the hearing and getting this muffled sound. Um, and then, when we talk about spoilers, there's another sound thing I'll talk about. But um, what I think it, it it's I, I read I looked up some stuff about that. Like how do they record that? Um, the sound designer's name is Nicholas Becker, and he um, yeah, it, it's like when we are in his headspace with that, we're hearing like yeah, this muffled sound. It's almost like we're underwater. It's kind of what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and and he, like he goes to the pharmacy and he can't communicate and we're kind of hearing those things and then that that scene when he goes to the doctor and we're kind of hearing what he's hearing as the doctor's testing his hearing and and we're realizing okay yeah this is really it's pretty bad and then yeah. the doctor of course explains how bad it is and um so, so i just thought that was that was fascinating it was a good an interesting choice to like let us hear and like even when it first happens like during the show and it's just like the ringing, you know, and he, he can't like make out anything specific. Um, but in this interview I read with a sound designer, uh, he talks about like, it's like when we're underwater or like when we hear that kind of muffled sound, often what we're hearing is like the in, the, the inner sounds of our own bodies. So like, that's all we can really hear is things that are in, yeah. within us. I thought that was interesting. And so what they did for part of this to, to record um is they actually put like mics all over Riz Ahmed's body, some kind of special microphone to capture his body's sounds. So, so when we're wow. when we're hearing that, we're actually literally hearing Riz Ahmed's body, which is interesting. Um, which I thought that was fascinating. But um, yeah, I'll link to that interview because there's some more interesting stuff in there um, in the show notes. But yeah, the sound is the sound is quite fascinating in this. So before we talk more about that, I think it is probably time for spoilers are there any other non-spoilery thoughts you want to mention before we jump into the end of this movie <laughs> no 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 i think so no but no <laughs> but touching really quick on that yes you're right um whenever he was you know whenever he started to lose a sound and it just almost like his the sound itself just kind of turned inside out you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah yeah and uh that's that's actually pretty fascinating that um that's what we hear. And maybe, maybe, maybe if, if we think about it, you know, maybe his, maybe he does have a whole lot of, you know, turmoil that's going on through his head. And maybe that's why, you know, we're hearing so much noise hmm. um, throughout this, you know, like, you know, from what he's hearing, I guess, you know, 
like whenever we're listening to what he's you know like what he can hear yeah um, yeah maybe that maybe that's what that is i don't know um but i do but it does feel it's it's a claustrophobic feel you know it's kind of yeah. a uh, mm-hmm. very un i'll say unnerving but um it does feel like i look like a little bit claustrophobic whenever anytime i had to hear it through like through his yeah. through his character it really jumps in there a few times. It's like um, we mostly can, you know, stay outside of him and, and understand what he's going through. But then those few moments that we like, we jump into his head and his his ears, I guess. And then it's, um, yeah, we, we realize how frustrating this is and how scary this is for him. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get into spoiler talk. So if you have not watched Sound of Metal and you don't want to be spoiled for the ending, which I would encourage because I think the ending, especially if you don't know what's going to happen, um, I think it's a really powerful ending. So jump out now and go watch the movie. It's on Amazon Prime. All right, let's talk about spoilers. So towards the end of this movie, I guess the the final third or so, um, I, I think what kind of incites it is, is Paul Racy's character, Joe, starts saying, you know, what's long-term, maybe you should stick around here because he started to get more comfortable. He's becoming more fluent in ASL and he's like giving back and he's teaching the kids how to play drums. And um, he's starting to kind of enjoy himself and kind of get used to this. And then when he, when Joe asked him about long-term, I think, I think that's what causes him to kind of spiral and decide now's the time to, to, to do something drastic. And so yeah. he sells his RV to pay for the cochlear implant surgery. Um, and he goes and gets that surgery and the, the next scene, like when he confronts, when he tells Joe and Joe kind of confronts him about that is, is one of my other favorite scenes in this movie. Uh, it's really, I think that for Paul Racy, that's the, that's the, his moment that he really shines. Um, and there, so let's talk about that scene a little bit. Cause I really like it. Um, so it's, I think Paul Racy's superpowers as an actor, at least in this movie, is he does this thing where he just sits very, very still and just kind of stares at the person he's talking to. It does it a few times before this, but then in this scene, he does it and it's so powerful. And because you can feel how disappointed he is and like you feel like he's on the verge of tears and like his his face is just so storied and, and it's really, really good. Um, but it also, this is kind of where we get into the deaf culture stuff and, and about cochlear implants. So the, the movie doesn't really explain exactly what the cochlear implants are, but it's, you know, he understands it as a way to get his hearing back so he can go back to, you know, doing whatever he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to give a little context here. And actually I, I talked to a, a deaf friend about this because I thought it was really interesting. I learned maybe a couple of years ago, just a, just a little bit about kind of deaf culture and found out that there a lot of deaf people do look down on implants like this. And, um, and I kind of learned about the difference between, you know, deafness uh, versus like capital D deaf culture. And that yeah. it really is its own kind of subculture. And that, that was news to me, you know, a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so this is, these are people who are claiming, you know, deafness as their identity and saying, you know, my lack of hearing isn't a, in this movie, he says, isn't a handicap. Um, but you know, I can live and communicate and live a vibrant life without hearing. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a negative thing. And so he, here's the quote from Paul Racy in that scene. Um, as he explains that, I thought it was really just really moving. He says, you know, as you know, everybody here shares in the belief that being deaf is not a handicap. It's not something to fix. And that gets back to his, his need to fix everything. That's pretty important around here. All these kids, all of us need to be reminded of it every day. Um, and so that's why he, you know, 
He's like, you can't stay here anymore because of that. But I thought that was really a, a powerful way to understand it and kind of to bring that empathy and show that side of it in a way that I never really quite understood that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, especially for the kids here, like we're trying to teach them that they don't need a way out of this situation, that they are, they are whole and complete as they are. And so yeah. for you to get this surgery is completely ruining that and you have to leave. So I thought that was so interesting. So you understand, you know, his, his view on that. I think it's such a powerful scene. Um, as soon as I finished this movie, the first time I watched it, I texted my friend who's deaf. Anytime I see any like deaf, anything in pop culture, I talk to her about it because she usually knows about it. Um, and she did, she'd already seen this movie and she really liked it. Um, so I just asked her what, what she thought about it. What is the deaf community saying? And uh, she talked about the cochlear implants and then the controversy around that um, just to provide some context that I found very interesting. It, it really is. People are pretty split on it. My friend herself is not opposed to them. She thinks they can be really helpful in some situations. Um, she's married. Her wife disagrees. Her wife is very anti the implants. So I thought that was just interesting that it's, it's that much of a, a thing that's that's talked about uh, and actually my friend has considered getting them because she also has uh, tinnitus so she hears like a, a ringing sound so there, there are sometimes are medical reasons for them yeah. um, but the problem she explained is is like when people treat them like glasses like okay my vision's messed up I'll fix it with these yeah. glasses it's not the same thing and that's what Ruben's trying to do and so yeah. I think ultimately he's having to like learn that lesson uh, over the course of this movie so I thought that was really interesting I'm glad she was able to to bring that info. I asked her if I could share on the podcast and she said, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of explains a little bit. Well, his character is pretty intense. You know, he's a, he's an intense yeah. guy. I mean, he plays metal, you know, and yeah. I've yeah. around people like that. That's kind of got that little bit. And, and part of that too, is probably because he was an addict as well. Mm. Um, you know, just kind of enhances that, short views you know what i mean mm, sure mm. and so um so i think that um yeah it was unfortunate that that's that's kind of how it went but yeah but you know it's it's just it's like you know if you're what's the word with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> yeah or irresponsibility mm. and um you know just you can look at it like this is the same thing you know um you know maybe he found himself after he lost his hearing on you know, becoming one who will let people help him or mm. from others, you know, he, mm-hmm. obviously he learned from, from a community and everything. And just in, whenever he got to the point where he could, he thought that, well, wait a minute, well, there is a resolution here. Yeah. And I think that's human nature. Cause he's, he wasn't born deaf. You know what I mean? And right. Mm. So human nature, you know, it's like, you know, if, if I can, if I lost my hand, you know, if there's a, if I can get a surgery or something like that, where I can actually, have another hand or something where I could right. still yeah. be so bad. What would I be willing to do to get that again? Cause obviously yeah. I would be able to, you know, work on films and work on, you know, music, you know, again. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and being a musician, you know, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of understood that part of it, you know, that yeah. uh, although, although, you know, the heart of me is just like, you know, I think this is where you belong. You know what I mean? Like this right. is, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, exactly. even you can still make music. You can still, you can be right here with, with this group and, um, and still, you know, be able to work on music and stuff like that. And maybe try something and do something different, you know, but then, you know, there's multiple yeah. ways of, you know, but you know, we only got what, two hours of this film. And, um, 
and his story, unfortunately, that's that's kind of where it went. But I, I totally get that though with the the desperation of mm, yeah. Of if I can fix this, then I want to see if I can. I want to see what could. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it, it the the film totally you totally understand why he would want to go back. You know, um, but then you also completely understand Joe's point of view and you know yeah. kind of learning about why this is so important to him. And so it, it's really, it's a really well done kind of clash there. But I think you're right. There's such a dramatic irony because we as the audience, I think at least I was like, you had to let that go. Like even early on, like you have a new normal, you got to accept that. But then the question is, is he going to, and he's, he takes forever to, to kind of come to terms with that. And so I wanted to mention too, so he, he goes and gets the implants um, and the sound design of the cochlear implants is another thing that's really interesting. And, and, um, I, in that interview that I'll link to, he talks about kind of, I guess he researched the, the sound designer, the hearing person, obviously. So he's never been able to hear what it's like to have cochlear implants, but through secondhand accounts and things, he, he tried to recreate that. And, and I watched this movie with headphones on. So it kind of felt like, like this was really in my head, you know, hearing, hearing what this is like, I thought that was really fascinating. And it's also clear why he would be disappointed. Like, this is not the same how can I play the drums like this? Like, is this going to work? Um, so, so you can kind of feel, feel all that just in the, in the way they, they kind of put that together. And so then he goes to this party, uh, he goes to find his girlfriend and there's a party and she sings with her father. And I think in that scene, my understanding, like it, we really focus on his face and like, as he's watching her sing, I think like he's moved by hearing her sing again, but also I think he's kind of coming to terms with like, this is not the same. Like yeah. it's, it's not going to be the same. Uh, and so then I really love the scene again, we're in spoiler territory, but the, the breakup scene, I think it's really well done. So they're, they're like, they're about to go to bed and, and he starts talking about another aspect of this is like, so she's helped him get clean. Uh, and then it seems like he's helped her with some issues too. It's not exactly clear, but at one point he says something like, Oh, you stopped scratching. And I think early on we see some scars on her arm or something like that. Yeah. So maybe there's like a self-harm or something going on. Um, but he starts talking about, okay, yeah, we got to get back to it. We got to get our album going. We got to get our tour going. And we, we can kind of sense that she's pretty happy where she is. Uh, she's doing some solo music and all that kind of stuff. But as he starts talking about this, she starts scratching her arm, like kind of instinctively. And yeah. there's this kind of look of worry. And then you watch him react to that just without any words, seeing on his face, like realizing Oh, she doesn't want that. And like, this wouldn't be good for her and kind of realizing that and then coming to terms with it. And so then completely wordless. And then he just says, it's okay. It's okay. And like he, he accepts that in that moment. Uh, and then she kind of comes to that realization too. And I thought that was so well done to, to be able to perform that without any dialogue. And, and like, I understood in that moment, okay, they're breaking up. Like this is, this is the end of that. And uh, yeah, really moving, really powerful. I really, really like that scene. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things like, you know, as far as like the story goes, it's like, um, like because of this, you know, not just, you know, not being able to hear is going to change his life, but so much more that's, that's just going to unravel, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like, uh, who, this wrote, who wrote this? Darius Nant Martyr? Uh, yes, Dar I think he directed it too. I'll double yeah. check that. Yeah. Derek says, what? I can't say his last name. Sam France? Sam France? Um, no, nah, it's just, I mean, 
it's it's you know being a, such being such a simple film, it's also got those complications in there too, where um, where scenes like this is just you know like you said, you know you don't have to have a whole lot of dialogue in it, mm-hmm. and you know it's all in the eyes, and and uh, that's where the power comes from. Now at the very end of it, I mean, do you think? Yeah, let's that, talk about the variant. Go ahead. I was gonna say next, like, what do you think about the very very ending? Because I have uh, a bunch of stuff to say about it, but you go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I don't know. Uh, part of me is just like I hope he goes back, you know, to uh, mm-hmm. to the community. Although I don't think he will. Um, so you you think your reading is that he's going to continue to try to do music and stuff? Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you all my thoughts. Here's my thesis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote an essay in my notes here, so I'll try to keep it brief. But so, the way I read the ending is that he's kind of finally coming to terms with it. And like, so he, so what happens is he's on the street, he sits on a bench, there's a lot of noise. And then he just pulls up and, and pulls his implant off, like a, unplugs it. And it's just in the silence. And so I take that to mean like, here's his final step towards accepting that like his new life, like this, it's not going to go back to the way things were now, whether he not, he goes back to the deaf community. I don't know, but I think he's going to kind of accept the, the deafness and, and live, you know, without trying to relive his old life. That's kind of the way I read that. Um, And, and I, when I first watched it, I like kind of took my breath away. So here's, here's another side (laughs) side thing. And I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'm sorry. So I've, I've kind of had this feeling for a long time um, that, that cinema can be a very spiritual thing. And, and I've, it's kind of hard to explain like what I mean by that, uh, but I had that experience with this movie and, and specifically with the ending. Uh, and I guess what that means is kind of like when like my brain and my emotions are kind of in sync and, and like I, basically I come away from it feeling like I've grown as a person. Like this, this, this movie kind of changed me a little bit is, yeah. is kind of the feeling that I have. Um, and, and so at the end of this movie, that's kind of what happens for Ruben too in, in the way I read it is that he's, he's finally coming to some acceptance of this and um, like self-acceptance, maybe you're accepting this new, this new normal, this new paradigm that he's kind of found himself in. And, and so he's, you know, he sits there and he's so overwhelmed by, by the noise it seemed like. And then he, he reached, reaches up and unplugs it and he's finally able to sit and just be still. And so like the last, I don't know how long that last shot lasts, but it's just silent and it's just on his face, and it seems like he's he's experiencing that stillness that um, that Paul Racy's character talked about. So there's a few levels to that. So so one is um, that that the spiritual experience that I felt while watching this. Uh, when I watched it a second time, I realized so that the main noise that he's hearing is church bells, actually. So like there's these loud church bells, and there's all these kids around and stuff. But and then there's this long shot on this church too, and so I think I almost wonder if the filmmaker wants us to bring a connection there to think like some in some way this is a spiritual experience for him that um, kind of bringing in the church in that way. So that's just a theory. I don't know, but then I think it does call back to a couple things in the movie. So one is with Joe, with Paul Racy's character, um, when that during that confrontation scene, he also says um, during all this time that you've been sitting and writing have you ever been able to really be still and, and experience the stillness and then he, he talks more about it and says um those moments that you can really feel stillness like this world is crazy this world will beat you up like all, all these things can be a really crappy place but when you can really sit and be still um he says the exact phrase he says is that's the kingdom of god and so i thought that was really interesting and so i think that also 
it's, it's like, here's, here's Ruben finally being still. And then another thing is that it calls back to uh, when he first loses his hearing and they're sitting in this diner and his girlfriend Lou calls his sponsor uh, because he's had a cigarette for the first time, which he continues smoking throughout the movie too, which maybe that's a sign that he's like not doing well this whole time. Like he's, he's still not accepting, you know, everything. But so he, he has a cigarette outside this diner. And so Lou calls his sponsor and he's kind of hollering at the phone because he can't hear, right? He's like, so I can't hear what you're saying, but here's what you would probably say. It's like, are you, are you okay? Like, are you? And he start, he's kind of like throwing out all these things that his sponsor would probably be saying, and he's kind of annoyed and he's like, but I'm good. I've got this. It's fine. I'm going to fix it, whatever. Uh, but one of the things that he says and that his sponsor would probably say, I wrote this down because I didn't realize this till the second time, but it's <laughs> serenity is something you get when you stop wishing for different paths. And that exactly nails the ending for me too, is that like he finally has serenity now because he's, he's stopped wishing for something different for his life. So I thought that was a really sneaky little foreshadowing right at the very beginning of the movie that really kind of explains exactly what's going to happen here is like, he has to get to this place. And, you know, sometimes you hear the same kind of mantra or you learn this lesson over and over, but you don't really learn it or understand it until you like feel it, I guess. And that it feels like an experience of that. Like finally this came together for him. Uh, so anyway, I, I really like that ending. I think too, there's certain movies that can, can really use the like the fade to black or the cut to black in a, in a really powerful moment like i think about um the movie before sunset the second one in the before trilogy has a great fade out like i there's certain endings that i just think about like when it cuts to black and you weren't exactly expecting it and how great that is this is one of those endings for me too is that it it's sitting there and i think is this gonna be the end and then it just cuts and it's like oh that was a great final moment but anyway <laughs> all those things came together i really really like the ending of this movie uh but yes I, i've talked plenty so <laughs> no 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 you're, you're absolutely right uh yeah i had to think about that and uh but yeah yeah i guess this is the last part last part of the film where he's just you know sitting in silence and no it does and you can you can see it in his eyes that mm -hmm. you know he's just you know, it's like that, you know, it's that performance, you know, as, as, you know, being such a strong actor that, yeah. you know, he can relate that you can put, you can, you know, push that towards, you know, the viewers and it gives you a sense of calm, you know, because, yeah. you know, mm. he's, he's at peace with this. And so, mm. um, yeah, yeah. Very subtle, but very, very, very effective and pretty powerful at the same time. Well, good deal. That is sound of metal. Do you have any other thoughts before we wrap up? I think we've, we've made it to the end of the movie. <laughs> I guess we should stop talking at some point, but um, there's a, uh, it's really interesting because, you know, you think sound of metal and you think, well, it is about a mm. you know heavy metal um, group. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, it, it can mean so many different things to yeah. you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is definitely, this is an excellent film. And um and uh, I'm definitely going to revisit and looking forward to it. And uh, so if anybody out there is listening for sure, definitely, definitely check out this film. I think you'll like it. Yes. Highly recommend it as well. And I think you're right that the title is, is almost a double meaning even like the sound of the cochlear implants. is like a metallic kind of sound or like the, the ringing that he's hearing sometimes. So I think, yeah. I think you're right that it's like, it's kind of pointing to that too. Yes. Clever title. Very good movie. Uh, Sound of metal streaming now on Amazon prime. Um, thank you so much, Johnny, for coming back on the podcast. Always a pleasure. I think this oh. was a really great conversation. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, yeah, of course. I, I uh, love your show and, um, and uh, can't wait oh, to hear thanks. you next. 
Well, I'm so excited for uh, Made in Arkansas in a few weeks down the road here. So uh, I'll be definitely tuning into that and I'll be linking to everything on, on Facebook that I can for, uh, for my listeners to, to tune into that as well. But all right, well, thanks so much again. And uh, I guess we can say bye-bye for now. I'll talk to you soon. All right, thank you. Thanks again to Johnny Brandon for being here. It's always a pleasure to talk movies with that guy. Uh, do keep your eyes peeled for more info on the Maiden Arkansas Film Festival coming up in May. If it ends up going virtual, the silver lining is that you don't have to live in Arkansas to attend. I'll share out everything I can on social media. On the next episode of Art House Garage, we've got an Oscars preview plus a discussion of Best Picture nominee Minari. I'm joined by filmmaker Andrew Camarillo for that conversation. And thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at www.appallingproductions.com or find a link in the show notes. If you want to support Art House Garage, leave a rating or review in your podcast app or you can buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com shop. Stay in the loop about Art House Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter by going to arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free. Snob free.